This morning we're going to talk about the Word of God, the fellowship of the believers, and what Jesus Christ longs to do in your life. How about that? The title of today's message is Breathed Out by God. And it's funny how the Lord just puts all of these things together. If they're not intentional, that song that the guys did, uh, the Valley of Dry Bones song, what is it? Dry Bones. <laughs> It talks about the breath of God. That song is based on Ezekiel 36 and 37, that section there where he talks about removing the heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh. He calls out and, and tells Ezekiel, he says, prophesy to the spirit, prophesy to the spirit uh, that these dry bones would live, that they would have life in them. Ezekiel says, I'm not sure if they can live. God, you know, he comes down, he prophesies to the breath and these dry bones, they come to life. It's a great story. If you've never heard it, go and look at that story. This morning, I'm going to be talking to you not necessarily about the dry bones. We will talk about uh, the people. See, the dry bones represent the people. This earth is filled with people who are walking around dead. They're walking around just a bunch of dry bones, and lo, they were very dry. That's what the text is. And what we need to understand is that, that every person that has not come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is already dead. See, we were talking this morning in our apologetics class. Uh, is it true that every person who does not hear about Jesus Christ and come to a saving understanding of Jesus Christ is bound for a sinner's hell? Yes. Yes. That's true. But why? But why is it true? Do they go to hell because they haven't heard about Christ? Actually, no. They go to hell because they're sinners and they deserve it. Hearing about Jesus Christ is the way they escape a sinner's hell. You see, at the end of the day, we ask right now, we ask ourselves, why do we do what we do? And what happens when Jesus Christ meets with you and pours his word into you? What happens in that moment? You see, we are all worthy of a sinner's hell, but Jesus Christ came so that we wouldn't have to experience that. God is not happy about people going to hell. God is not longing to send someone to hell. As a matter of fact, he wanted you to escape hell so much that he killed his own son. Brutally murdered on a cross for you and for me. You say, I don't even get that. I don't either. Praise the Lord for it. This morning I want to talk to you about the breath though. When Ezekiel called out and, and, and God spoke to him, he said, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy to the spirit. The word breath and the word spirit is really, it can be used interchangeably in the scriptures. And, and that word there, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We'll move around a little bit, but go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I want to talk to you this morning about the word of God and about the breath of God. And I want to talk to all of you in this room, and I want to single you men out. Because we must understand that as men, as men in this world, as men of God, we have the responsibility to set the tone and to set the atmosphere to lead our families and to lead those around us in a relationship with Jesus Christ that would facilitate life. Because without Christ, there is no life. You see, we don't go to hell. We don't go to hell or we don't continue in death because of, of not believing Jesus Christ said it this way. John said it this way, recording Jesus. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, right? 
But continue on in those verses, and it says, for he, what? Let's go read it. Check this out. I want you to see this, because we always stop at verse 16. This is so key right here, because we think that God wants to kill us all. That's what the non-believers think. But that is not right. We condemn ourselves. Check this out. Verse 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But listen to this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. You see, we're already in in judgment. We're already in condemnation apart from Jesus Christ. It is Christ who came to free you from that condemnation and to set you on the path to righteousness and to give you life to escape that condemnation. Now, how is it that we can go through life as men and as women and hear the message of Christ and hear the redemptive story of God coming in the flesh and dying on the cross and paying for our sins, yet continue on in sin. To deny the word of God, to deny who Jesus really is. Well, it is this. It is that we have uh, our own flesh that we deal with and it's continually combating us. It is continually coming against us. Everybody says, well, Satan made me do it. Well, sometimes maybe that's right because Satan does prowl around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. But at the end of the day, Satan is not omnipresent. He's not God. Many times it's not Satan. It's you. You are are dwelling on those sinful thoughts and those lusts and those desires and you go back to them and you sneak a peek and you look and whether it be the alcohol or or the drug or the pornography or the greed or the fame or the fortune or whatever it might be, you keep going back, you keep looking, you keep, and the, the scriptures will say it like this, it's like a dog returning to its own vomit. You've gotten that out of you. Would you go back and lick it up and drink it back down? You say, no, that's disgusting, but that's exactly what we do. You see, we know the truth. You know, here in the Bible Belt, I, I, there may be one or two in here, atheists, who just don't believe in God. But being where we live, I highly doubt it. Most all of you would probably say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Well, then the next question is, okay, then why do you live like you live? You say, well, nobody's perfect. I'm not even talking about perfection. I'm just talking about the fruit on your tree. We're all sinners. Yes, we're all sinners. But do you continually sin habitually and like it? I want to ask you this morning, why have you forsaken your first love? If you are believers, if you are believers, why have you forsaken your first love? I'd ask you another question. Do you even realize that you've forsaken your first love, that you have started to live for the world and you've forsaken the things of God? Let me ask you a third question. How would it be for you to come back? How does it sound that you would come back? You say, there's no hope for me, preacher. I'm just here because my crazy girlfriend made me come. I want to tell you that there's hope for you today. What if I told you this? I shared a snippet of my testimony I think two weeks ago or last week, I can't remember now. I'm terrible with time. But I'll tell you this. What if I told you that 
Jesus Christ is such that he could do a work in your life. Many of you are saying, oh, I, you know, I'm no good. I'm not smart. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not this. I'm not that. What if I told you that Jesus Christ is so powerful and so good and the Holy Spirit is so efficient that he can make you a man of God like none that's been in your family before? What if I told you that you ladies out there, you say, I've never seen anything in my family but alcoholism or drug abuse or I, I don't even know where to start, Brandon. What if I told you that I can show you the place this morning? I can give you what you need this morning, not out of my own self, but out of the Word of God. What if I told you that I could give you every tool that you needed to be the woman of God that you've never even seen before in your life, that you think is an impossibility to get to? What if, what if every man that is sitting under the sound of my voice and every woman that is sitting under the sound of my voice, what if you believed me today? Better than that, what if you believed the word of God this morning and actually acted upon it? What would happen? What would happen? I want you to take a look around. Look at all the people in this room. Jesus Christ flipped the world upside down with 12 disciples. Apostles. That's all I was about to say. There's at least, I don't know, 200 people in this room maybe. If every one of you were transformed radically, and I don't care where you are in your faith, you could be a strong Christian. There's third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth gears, guys. My God is an eternal God. If you think you've reached the eternal depths of God, you're sadly mistaken. What if we all hit another gear today? What if there was brokenness and repentance in the room today? What if you and all of your sin, sure, yeah, you're a sinner. Yeah, you're screwed up. I agree. You're terrible. Yep. Sold. You don't have to convince me anymore. Yep. What if this morning you received redemption through the Lord Jesus Christ? And he set your feet on solid ground. And you took off running in the light of Christ and made a difference in this world. What do you think about that? Sound good? Let me, let me tell you then. Let's get into the Word of God. Uh, before we do, I want to pray over the Word, and then we're going to stand and we're going to do a little bit of reading. Jesus, I pray. Uh, I, I think for the third or fourth time today, it's okay. We need you, God. I don't want to do anything without you this morning, Lord. I, I am uh, like these guys here. I'm a sinner. I hate it that I'm a sinner, but I am. But I also uh, understand and I believe that you, have, that you have given to me your righteousness. So I refuse to live in uh, my sinful, condemned state, but I do believe that you have relieved me and you have transferred me from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. I believe that. I believe that I am an heir to the throne. I agree with Paul that I have no righteousness of my own, but I have the righteousness of Christ. And if I boast in anything at all, I'll boast in the Lord. So this morning I stand here as a man who was condemned but no longer is. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
And so I stand here not on my own power, but on the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll proclaim your word, and your word will not return void. And so I do right now. I prophesy to the breath, to the spirit, that he would go out and that he would awaken these dry bones. There are men of God here who are sleeping. And so I say, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and the light of Christ will shine on you. Lord God, wake them up. Awaken me, God. Get us off of our tails that we might get something done for the Lord. Help us to love our kids. Help us to love our wives. God, I pray right now for the women in this room. Man, there's some crazy women in here, Lord. Please help them. We, the men need you to help them, God. I pray that you would speak to them, Lord. I pray, God, that you would speak to them and just show them how lovely they are. Lord God, they've been lied to by this world, and I pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would whisper to them, Lord, that, 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 that no man gives them their worth. Oh, this is silly. God, I pray that you would help them to see how magnificent they are, not because they deserve it, not because they have righteousness of their own, not because of looks, not because of non-looks, not because of anything, except you. You were nailed to the tree for them. Help us all to understand our position. Help us all to feel our sin, but to lay it at the foot of the cross that we might be used by God. Help us this morning. To be made new in the image of the Son. That we might be useful in the kingdom. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Now I'm going to preach hard this morning. So that you women won't be so crazy when you leave. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Y'all check on me today after the service in about an hour or two. Make sure I'm still alive. (laughs) All right. We're going to be in. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We're talking about the Word of God this morning. I told you that I was going to tell you the secret. I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you what you need in order to become a competent man, equipped for every good work. And I believe that this can absolutely be used in the life of a woman. I think that we can say that this right here is the secret to be a competent person, equipped for every good work that God has called you to. You want to know what you need in your life in order to be able to do everything that you need to do. When it says every good work, it means every good work, all right? The Greek word means every good work, right? You want to be a good employee, you want to be a good wife, you want to be a good student, you want to be a good husband, you want to be a good daddy, you want to be a good fill in the blank, you want to be a righteous servant of God, then this is what you need. Is everybody listening? Raise your hand and say, yes, sir. All right, then let's get down to it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, let's stand to our feet in reverence of God's word. 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. Now this is a short verse, but in it is packed a ton 
I mean a ton of helpful information and theology that if you would place in your life and put into practice in your life, I'm telling you right now that God would be glorified in your life in every way. You see, there's lots of stuff that we need to get done, is there not? Isn't there a lot of stuff we need to do? How many of you would agree with me that it seems oftentimes, even when I set my mind to do something, it seems like I just spin my wheels and I can't get anything done? Some, everybody do like this with me. Everybody, everybody, come on. John, I didn't say do like this. You see, sometimes we want to get it done, but it seems like everything crops up, right? How many of you have been about to get in the Word of God, your Bible's on the table, the Holy Spirit saying, get in your Bible, and you finally like, okay, Lord, I'll get in my Bible. You go over, you get in your Bible, as soon as you open it up, your phone goes, answer me, answer me, right? And you're like, good grief, you pick it up. you got 18 messages on Facebook, 39 on text messages, and your email's blowing up. You think that's a coincidence? How many of you have had that happen? It's crazy, right? As soon as you, as soon as you, get, you sit down, you say, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. All of a sudden, in your mind, pops up a to-do list eight and a half miles long. You sit down to read the Bible, you look over, and you see dust bunnies everywhere. <laughs> you don't even like to clean, but you're looking for your broom. You think that's, you think that's just like that? Or do you think that, that, that Satan in your flesh and everything is screaming, no, not the Bible? You see, it's God's word. This is what we need. It is, I want you to look at this right here for just a second. All scripture, we're just going to go through this right here just as far as we can go, right? That's what we're going to do. All scripture is breathed out by God. Uh, the Greek is theonutos, and I like this because it is a coupling of the spirit or the breath and God. It's, it's, it basically what this means is the scripture is breathed out by God means the scripture comes out of God. I want all of you to go, oh. look at your neighbor and say, you should have brushed your teeth this morning. <laughs> you see, this is the, the word of God. We think, we think, we think this is a good book. This is nice. I've heard it said, this is the roadmap to life. No, it's not. This is the breath of God. Your roadmap? This book ain't about you. This book is not about you. You're in there, sure, from time to time. But if you think you're the main character, you're crazy. You ain't never heard of Jesus. This book is not about you. This is about God and about what God was doing. And you need to get with the book. The book's not getting with you. You need to get with the book. You need to get in the book. And this is not just a book. I like that word book. It's like book, right? This is the Bible. That's even better than book. This is the Bible. It is the breathed out word of God. This right here, it came out of God. Do you think it's a coincidence that in the book of Ezekiel, he tells Ezekiel, he says, prophesy to the breath of the spirit, call forth to the breath, and then it raises up this army. But the, but the text says, but there was no life in them. You remember that part? 
So the picture is these very dry bones, and, and I've said this, I've preached on this, as, as Ezekiel's walking through this valley, I can just see this dust cloud rising up. It's the dust of death. It seems hopeless. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you, even in the past year, right now where you are, it's just dry. There's no life. There's no passion. Your wife hates your guts. She wants to leave you, or maybe she has left, and you're just like, it's just nothing. Maybe you're even contemplating suicide, even right now. And you just seem dry. There's no hope. There's nowhere to go. There's, no, there's nothing. This is where Ezekiel was. He was walking, and it was dust choking him, dust of dry bones and death all around him. Maybe right now in your life, you, you're thinking to yourself, there's no hope. There's nothing but choking death all around me, and I am choking to death on death. What is the answer for it? Come on, people of God, what's the answer for it? Jesus, where will we find him? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What does he tell Ezekiel to, to solve this? He says, oh, Ezekiel, the son of man, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel's like, oh. And God's like, prophesy. The word of God must go, must, must, must go forth in, in order for these dry bones to live. So he prophesies, he's, he calls forth, and then the, the, these dry bones, they rise up and flesh goes on them and, and muscles and sinews, and, and they're all linked together, but they're like this. They're, they're, wrote, they're, they're, they're standing there, but they're not animated. There's no, there's no life in them. He said, prophesy to the breath, and God puts his breath inside. You see, in Ezekiel 36, he says, I will remove your heart of stone. I will replace it with a heart of flesh, and I will write my law on your heart, and I will cause you to walk in my ways and follow my statutes. It's the word of God. It's just not just a book. Just, I can't get you to understand. It's not just a book. It's the breath of God. It's the breath of God. And if you don't have the breath of God inside of you, and so many men, so many women, I talk to them and they say, I just don't like reading the Bible. Why? Why? You don't like to read the Bible? You don't like life? You don't like power? You don't like, you don't like to have all the means to speak to someone and watch life happen? You know you are Ezekiel. God is calling to you. God is calling to you to speak the word of God, to be ready in season and out of season with the word of God, with the breath of life, to, spree, to, to preach and speak the word of Christ that a dead people might come to life. I just don't want, I don't want to read, Brandon. Come on, I know, I know. I graduated from land, land of the dumb. Huh? You know, this is no joke. There was a, there was, there's a Facebook group that came up years ago, and it said it was supposed to say, "You know, you're from Landrum Wynn. Okay, and all these people started listing stuff. No joke. I got the invitation, so I went and I looked, and it said, "You know, you went to Landum Wynn." I said, "You know, you went to Landum." When you spell it, land dumb. <laughs> I understand. You don't like to read. You don't like. You know, I understand. I, whatever. Okay. I understand that. There's no excuse. 
No excuse. And I promise you this, that the word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And if you would just take my advice, that if you would just take my advice, that if you would open up the scriptures and start to work through them, even though you don't understand right now, the Bible says, Jesus Christ said, when I go, I will send the spirit back as a helper for you and he will lead you in all things and he will teach you all things. As you open up the word of God, I can't even explain it. I can't even explain it. But when you open up the Word of God and you start to read it, just keep reading and you will watch the Word of God come alive and it will start to teach you and interact with you. It will show you things and it will move in you and you will come to me and you'll say, I never saw that before. Who else would say amen that they know that's the truth? Maybe you're not a scholar. Okay, that's fine. Neither were Peter, James, or John, or any of the rest. They were fishermen. That's exactly right. It's not for your head, it's for your heart, and you got to get into the Word of God because uh, Hebrews 4.12 says that it goes all the way down to the heart. And that's what you need. That's what I need is heart surgery. So the word of God is breathed out. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. You see, this word, that is, it comes out of God. It comes from his inmost being. It is a part of him. The word of God comes out of him and into you, which is Jesus Christ, and that word makes you alive. You see, it is, it is living and it is, it is active, but this word that is breathed out by God, it is his, and it is not something that can be uh, mutilated, twisted, distorted. We must figure out what the Word of God says and conform our life to that Word. Uh, a few scriptures just to help you see that a little bit. If you want to turn with me, otherwise I'll just read it. Second Timothy, I mean Second Peter, says this. I'm sorry, First Peter chapter. First Peter chapter two says this in verse twenty. For what credit is it if you endure and are beaten for it, you endure, but if you, if you, when you do good and suffer for it, then you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. I'm reading the wrong verse. Second Peter. <laughs> Second Peter chapter one. This is the right verse. Listen to this. Second Peter chapter one, verse 19. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Listen to this. Knowing, that, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Word of God is trustworthy because it comes from God. The Word of God is trustworthy because it comes from God. Now, that Word needs to be implanted in your hearts and in your souls and written on your hearts so that we then might be able to understand what the Word of God is and then put it into practice. I want you to look at several aspects of the Word of God coming from 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, first, it is good for teaching. Second, it is good for reproof. 
Thirdly, it's good for correction. And fourthly, it is good for training in righteousness. Now, as I was looking at this, and I've been looking at this for years, as I was looking at this and studying and saying, all right, God, what would you have for me to give these guys today? What would you have for me to share with them what you've been sharing with me? And here is the truth. First of all, you have to have the Word of God planted inside of you. If you don't know the Word, if you can't understand the Word, if you're not studying the Word, then there is no way that you can use the Word of God in order to go about your life and to do what God's called you to do. So you've got to know the Word. But secondly, you've got to trust the Word as being breathed out by God. Many of you actually know the Word, but you're not living it. Many of you understand what God is saying, but you're not walking in it. Why are you not walking in it? Many times it's because you just don't want to. You're in rebellion. Many of you husbands, you know what the word says. You know that the word says to live with your wives in an understanding way. You know it says to love your wives. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know that, but your flesh won't let you. Some of you wives, you know that the Bible says submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Even the unbelieving ones that you might win him without a word. And even as I said that, you rise up, your flesh rises up and say, I refuse. But the word of God says it doesn't matter if you refuse or not, you'll be judged by this word. You see, we think that we've got the, uh, the peg on truth. But the bottom line is, is that we need to conform ourselves to the word of God and to the image of the son. Who is the word of God made flesh. We've got to accept the word of God. We have got to put ourselves under subjection to the word of God. And men of God right now, if you want things to go well with you, if you want to be able to win over your wife and win over your family and to speak Christ into your family, then you've got to submit to the word of God. Uh, a lot of you husbands, you say, my wife won't submit, my wife won't do this, my wife won't do that. She needs to change. No, you need to change. You need to conform yourself to the image of the Son. You are not God, and you can't change her. And even by your trying to change her and unwillingness to submit to Scripture, you make your own position and your own situation worse because you refuse to do it God's way. Many of you, ladies, it's the exact same thing in the opposite way. You know what the word says, but you refuse to submit to your husband. You refuse to let things go. You refuse to practice forgiveness. And those who refuse to practice forgiveness is like drinking down poison and waiting for the other person to die. You want a better life. You want a better situation. You want your life to turn around, but you will not let it go. So you're the one holding on to the poison in the family. All the while pointing the fingers. You see, if we accept the word of God and it can be planted inside of us, then we can use it and, and be who God called us to be. And it's good for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Men, you want to train your sons? You want to be able to pour into them? Then you've got to accept the word of God. And as soon as you accept it, then you've got to get into it and you can teach your children. You can teach those around you. It will teach you. You can become uh, better molded. You can become a sharper warrior. This is right here what I'm talking about when I say you can, it is possible for you to become the man of God you've always knew you should be. Young people in the room, I look at you over here. How old are you, man? 16. You, do, you have no idea. You have no idea how desperately you need to be in the word of God. Because if you don't, young man, and I'll, tell, I'll point out any other young man in the room too. Landon, how old are you? 16. I'm going to tell every one of you young men in here, you forsake the word of God, you look for your life to be hell. I say it unapologetically. You older men in here, you old farts. I'm talking about, you know, like on up there. 
You forsake the word of God, look for a rough death. I'm just telling you right now. I tell it to myself. I'm 34 years old. If I forsake the word of God, I can watch my family crumble. Push my wife away. Push my kids away. Have no hope in reaching out and loving them. Young people, young ladies in the room. Oh, you got to be in the word. Young ladies, you got to be in the word. Because if a man won't love you like Jesus, let me say this. If a boy is approaching you, calling on you, wants to date you, wants to take you out, whatever, if he don't love Jesus, you kick his tail to the curb. Amen. Hey, and I don't know if other churches do this, but if you want me to interview them, I'll be more than happy to. I'm not even kidding. I'm not, I'm not kidding at all. Like, if some of you older ladies in here, not older, some of you more mature and sophisticated ladies in here, okay? I know ladies don't get older. Hey, you, hey, you look at, you, hey, you, you talking to a guy, you know, you're not sure what to ask him, bring him over to Pastor B's office, we'll give him the one-two to run down, okay? I don't mind at all. I need some practice, Ella Ray's coming, gonna be here soon, all right, I'm making my application now, uh, so, but, but all jokes aside, listen, if, you're, if the man who is pursuing you, if the boy is pursuing you, if he doesn't love Jesus, he will not love you. Because he cannot love you. Because he doesn't know what love is. You see, the word of God is, is desperately needed in our times. It's desperately needed for young men to become real men. For young women to know what a real man is and a real woman is so that they can grow up to be a woman of God and to know what a man of God looks like so that they can know what to look for in a man. We, we, have, no, we have no examples anymore. That's why I'm calling all you deadbeat men in here to become men of God. Y'all need to pray for me that I can be a man of God. I don't need to, well, oh, we're all sinners. I'm just a sinner. Here's an excuse for my sin. No. You see, this word of God right here, it is profitable, meaning that we make progress with the word of God. We, we, we put profit in the bank. We, we, we make leaps and bounds with the word of God. Yes, yes, we do make mistakes. Yes, we do fall. We do stumble. Jesus Christ picks us up and he dusts us off and he puts us back to where we need to be. We need to learn from the word. We need to be reproved. That word reproof right there is a rebuke. This is lost in our culture. You know, so many, so many kids, 16, 17, 18, 40 years old, they're living at home with their mama. You know, they're still smoking weed, you know, getting drunk. Playing Call of Duty? How many times, how many times do daddies come to me who their 30-year-old son still lives at home and the daddy's making excuses for the son? Or the mama's, he's just misunderstood, pastor. No, he's not. He's babied. He just, he try, he's tried to make it in the real world, but he just has a hard time. You just need to pull the life raft out from Hunter so that sucker will try to swim. They said, I don't know why Johnny keeps going back to jail. Because you bailed him out 25 times. 26, no big deal. Mama's got me. We need men of God to arise. We need 
We need mamas and daddies to stop bailing them out. We need to stop uh, patting each other. We need reproof, rebuke. Somebody now, now, you know, I have a hard time with this sometimes because I'm not the most passionate person in the world or compassionate person in the world. And so sometimes, you know, I'm a little hard. I can be a little hard on people. I don't mean to. You know, well, sometimes I do mean to. Sometimes we need to come alongside our brother, put our arm around him and say, hey, man, it's okay. It's okay. I love you. God's got you. But most of the time, and I'm going to say most of the time, that dude needs to be smacked in the back of the head or put foot to the tail. Hard. Who said hard? Amen. Amen. You know what? I'm going to say this too right here. All right? Heather, do, do like this right here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Look, sometimes, sometimes we really do need to spank our kids. My wife is a teacher. And you know, it's really frustrating to me when she tells me stories of kids who are just so disrespectful. And then the parent calls defending the disrespectful kid. Rebuke is lost in our society. Discipline is lost. We need to have that back. Now, we teach, but when we walk outside the teaching, we have rebuke. But does it stop there? Oftentimes, I think a lot of our culture has done away with the rebuke part of it because it's not been done rightly. It's not been followed up with the next aspect of God's word, which is what? Correction. You see, so the word of God is profitable for teaching, so we learn what's right. But when we step outside of what's right, so take a lesson on this, parents, and and everybody. We need to teach our kids what's right. But when they step outside of that, and this relates to us as, as, as children of God, then there's rebuke. There is no, that was not right, that was wrong. That was wrong. But then there is, let's correct it, and this is what's right. Let's go. Let's apologize. Let's ask forgiveness. Let's start over again. Let's, let's correct this. And then we have training in righteousness. And training it seems to be like teaching. But it's not. Training is different how. Teaching is me telling you how to do something. When you step outside of that, then there is rebuke saying, no, that's not what it was. This is the right way. And then training is coming alongside and practicing and walking through that with someone. And they can watch you do it. And they're doing it as well. Hand-in-hand training, right? Hand-to-hand combat is training for combat, right? So we walk alongside of each other. We walk along in the Word. And the Word trains us in righteousness. And it shows us in the last part of that is that uh, it is that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. This is one of the last things I'll say. If the band wants to go ahead and come up, we're going to start moving toward the end. But I wanted to share this with you. It says there that all scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, rebuke, or reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent. Now, when I first saw this, I thought that competent, and equipped for every good work. I thought it was saying that the man of God would be competent and equipped for every good work. But I, I actually realized that equipped for every good work is just a qualification or a, uh, uh, it helps us to understand what competent is. There's no conjunction right there. It doesn't say that the man of God will be competent and equipped for every good work. It just says that he is competent, equipped for every good work. Does that make sense to everybody? This is why I draw that out is that 
In order to be a competent man of God, you must be equipped for every good work. And in order to be equipped for every good work, you need to be uh, in tune with, dialed into, submissive to the breathed out word of God, which teaches, reproves, corrects, and trains in righteousness. Here's what I'll say. You cannot be a competent man without knowing the Bible. You cannot be a competent man without being in the Word of God. Now, I don't mean to condemn anyone in here who struggles with reading and all of that. It's not about how much you know. It's about your heart. Everybody says, well, not everybody, but a lot of people say, I just can't understand that. I've used this example before. I just can't understand that, preacher. I've read the Bible, but I just don't understand that. Listen, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. You can't fool me. You see, the problem is not your ability to understand the Scripture. The problem is your desire to understand the Scripture. Because there are men in this room who say, I don't have a lot of time to read, or I'm not good at reading, or I can't understand it. But you can name me every single player for the past 10 years on the Clemson roster or the Carolina roster. You can take apart a a Chevy 350 engine blindfolded and put it back together again. You can, Dave Eubanks, now I know he loves the word, so I'm going to pick on him. Where is Dave? That man right there can probably take that copier apart in there and put every piece back together again. Men in here who can't read, but by golly, you can build a a, a car, you can build a, a rocking chair, you can do whatever you want to. You can use all the tools in the world, you know which one's which and all that good stuff. Your problem with the Word of God is not that you're not able to understand it. The problem is is that you don't desire to be transformed by the Word of God. Let that resonate with you. Let that resonate with you. You want to be a competent man of God? Equipped for every good work. You want to be a competent woman of God? Equipped for everything that God has for you? The breathed out word of God. Here in the next, not next week, but the following week, I'm going to start a series, and we're going to go all the way through the book of Galatians. And in this series, uh, as we go through this book, I want to do a couple of different things. One, I want to teach you what the book teaches. But as we go through, I'm going to try my best to work in there how to study the book of Galatians and the rest of the Bible for that matter. Same principles apply. Because maybe some of you would legitimately say, I don't really know how to do that. One, I would say, don't worry about that. Just get into the Bible and start reading. Just go start reading. Start in the Gospels. Just start reading. Just get in and start reading. And secondly, we read the Bible because there's where we see here get to know Jesus Christ and as we read the word of God it starts to affect our lives it starts to affect our prayers and we pray the word of God back to him we meditate on the word and he starts to work in our hearts I wish you would fall in love with the Bible it is what is needed to make men of God competent 
equipped for every good work. As we all stand to our feet, the last scripture I want to share with you, as we talk about training in righteousness and as we think about uh, Jesus Christ and, and how this relates to him. You see, if, if I were to tell you that, now, just if you've not heard anything else, listen to me. Just for a minute. If I were to tell you here today that I've given you a good piece of advice, you need to get into the Word, study it, get to know it, and as soon as you've mastered the Word, you'll be a competent man, equipped for every good work. That's not, that's not true. Because unless you see Jesus Christ in the Word, then we know from Scripture in John 5, 39, it says, you search the Scriptures diligently, thinking that in them you have life, but you fail to realize that it is these that teach about me. When I tell you to go to the scriptures, I don't tell you just to go with a head knowledge. I don't tell you just to go and memorize a bunch of stuff because that's what God wants you to do. I don't tell you to, 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 to become a, a, a master theologian because you need to learn enough to get there. No, that's not what I say. I say you need to get into the word of God because the word of God is where we see Jesus Christ. You can know all the scripture in the world, but that doesn't mean you're going to be righteous or that you'll have life. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31 say this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Jesus Christ is the one in whom all treasures of wisdom are hidden. And because of him, you're in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. I make a call to you men and women this morning. You've tasted what it's like to know the Lord, but you've strayed far away. You know what God's calling you to. You've heard the call plain and simple loud and clear but you've wandered away maybe when you were a child you called out to the Lord only to turn your back on him soon thereafter maybe you've not been to church in years maybe this is the first time and the only reason that you're here is because you met some nice people last night maybe you showed up today and heard the word of God maybe you showed up today and heard the voice of the Lord calling you back home calling you to take serious again what once was life to you. How many of you have wandered far, far away from God? How many of you this morning would repent? How many of you would come back to the Lord? For He is not far off, and it is not He that is left, but it is you. I ask you this morning, I ask you this morning, where are you with the Lord? 
we open up the invitation this morning to respond to the Lord here or there or wherever. Jesus Christ is calling. It's time for us to get serious, men of God. It's time for us to get serious, women of God. It's time for us to get busy for the Lord. Do what he's calling you to do. There'll be here, people here wanting to pray for you if you want. Do business with God. Wherever and whatever he's calling you to do, do business with God.